0: Going on, everybody! Welcome back to another episode of the Vile. What, what is that Ask Nick. Ask Nick. Welcome back to another episode of the Vile Files. Ask Nick edition. I am your host, Nick. Joined by the household, we got uh, Leia and sweet, sweet, sweet boy Justin with us. Uh, we are days away from Valentine's Day. Do you ever get? Do you ever say Valentine's?
1: Valentine's, as in like the time.
0: Like, do you ever say Valentine's wrong? I've been known to do that. I have to always enunciate. Because like I mumble sometimes. Okay. You've never been accused of saying Valentine's. Nope. I
1: definitely mumble. Yeah. And it's Valentine's not
0: Valentine's. Yeah. <laughs> do you get it wrong? No. Never.
2: I mean, just this mm. word in particular, like, is not one of the hard ones for me. I do mumble.
0: No. I have a, words are hard usually
2: for words me. are hard.
0: Uh so Valentine's is this week. Do you guys have any do you have any big plans? No. Do your husband really we, get into Valentine's? Not really. What about you and your partner? Keeping it like simple. Cause you guys are, you guys are newly dated. Yeah, it's fairly
1: like new. So I think it's like good to just like relax, get a dinner, and then we're just going to vibe. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, I haven't even thought about it uh, with the baby uh, being here. Right, I think we're just going to love different. on each other. I'm sure I'll do something. I've never been more in love than I, you know.
1: Yeah. Now you have two Valentines. That's oh like one. So True. much love.
0: I don't know what we're going to do. And we're recording this a bit early. It's not, it's not, I'm, I'm, we're not two days away from that. Val- <laughs> hopefully I'll have some sort of plan by then. <laughs> But I imagine we'll keep it pretty simple. Simple's good. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, just remember all you single people out there, it's just a fucking day. It's not the day to feel sorry for yourself. It's not the day to throw a pity party because you don't have a valentine. Just remember most people in relationships during Valentine's Day, just fight over it. Probably, I don't know if there's a stat out there, but I would, I would bet ballpark figure 60 to 70% of people in relationships end up being disappointed on Valentine's Day. At least, at least the women. <laughs> I don't know if men give a shit, which is probably part of the reason, probably the problem.
2: There's a lot of hype around Valentine's yeah. Day. I feel.
0: Yeah. Just try to connect with your partner. Yeah.
1: You know, I will say too, if you're single, buy yourself flowers. I worked at Trader Joe's, and it's not a stigma. Everybody buys themselves flowers.
0: Whatever it is, maybe for me, I'd, I'd get myself a massage. There you go. You know, treat yourself mm-hmm. is really the, I think, the point you're trying yeah. to make, Justin. Yeah. 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 Or yeah.
1: celebrate
2: with a friend. Yeah. Valentine's.
0: Girls' night out. You know. Hang out yeah. with the boys, play some vids. You know, <laughs> don't let the bros get you know. Don't be a sad bro on Valentine's Day. Imagine a bunch of like bros, just like man, I'm not in love. <laughs> I, I think that is the direction we're going. Though there are more, way more single men than are single women out there. I'm worried about men. I know, I know, society isn't that concerned about men these days uh, because society loves to bash them. And it's not that men don't deserve criticism, but um, I, I am worried for the younger generation of men. I. I am. I mean, no. I, I'm joking now, but there. I think there. We're we're not too far away, away from men truly feeling, you know, sad and lonely on on days like Valentine's Day, where other people are celebrating love. Not to bring everyone down, anyways. Uh, what do we have to get into before we get, before we get to our fantastic colors?
2: So we thought that we would play a little game with you, since you are now a parent. Ooh. So we pulled some TikTok I love trends. Games. <laughs> We pulled some TikTok trends that parents are doing around the world.
0: Like crazy parents and their kids?
2: Yeah, yeah. And we want to get your are these take. Like,
0: are these good trends or are these bad trends?
2: Let you decide. Okay. Okay, so so this is a TikTok where, I mean, I know Jimmy Kimmel does this every year also, where he does this YouTube challenge where parents will tell their kids it's after like Halloween kids, yeah. that they ate all their candy. It's so, a pretty
0: funny one. I've seen that one before. I would do something like that. Yeah, I could see myself uh, having fun that's playful. That's, yeah,
2: it's. playful. I feel like that's
0: pretty harmless.
2: Yeah, you just have to tell them like right away that you were joking. Like, don't yeah. let it linger.
0: Yeah, you can't get too much satisfaction around torturing your right, kids. Right, right. Like, why are you trying to make your kid cry? Like, it's yeah, yeah. Like the like this one, you know, you got an endearing reaction from their kid. Like, that's okay. That's okay. Like the understanding child, you know, something like you, you're proud of your kid. The ones where your kid, the t- kids turn into like little assholes.
2: Yeah, which like, I'm sure a lot of them do. Yeah.
0: They Clearly, these parents are good. That's uh, This is a good parent, uh, the one we saw, because the kids handled it pretty well.
2: Yeah, I guess it's a test to see if you're a good. Uh, you raised your kid right. Yeah, to handle <laughs>
0: disappointment. Yeah. yeah. It's a life skill, handling disappointment. Yeah. What else we got?
2: Okay, so this is a TikTok trend where parents are cooking with their child, and they're cracking an egg into a bowl, but then they hit the egg on their kid's face instead and to see their kid's reaction. The Fuck. Yeah.
0: Oh, that kid is so cute. (laughs) (laughs) See, like, obviously this is very cute, very cute reaction, but no, no.
2: Agreed. So they actually, um, there was a psychology today article that came out about this where they were just saying that hashtag egg challenge is like really bad. Like it's, psychologically bad for kids
0: yeah like why are you hitting your kid it's unnecessary yeah on the it, forehead
2: it causes like mistrust like these are your parents you're supposed yeah, to yeah like...
0: i don't i i just i mean the the jimmy kimmel like halloween candy one i feel like that's as far as i would i would go but i just i don't ever want to use my kid as a fucking gag for an mm-hmm. online tiktok trend i mean right now obviously we've we've been sharing content of, of river and mm-hmm obviously like she's like stunning so like we just we obviously want to brag but like in nally and i kind of have these ongoing conversations i don't know what our like our policy is going to be i i suspect we'll as she grows and turns into the uh lovely young person that she's going to be and gets her own distinct features i i can see ourselves pulling back a little bit like mm-hmm. She's definitely not gonna be like part of the influence. Like we'll figure it out. Like I, we don't really know, but I don't. We're not gonna use our fucking kid for like fucking gags and stunts and mock them. Yeah. And shit like that. I guess to each their own. But like, no, that's so fucking. Ugh. It's 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 yucky. It's gross. Are there more of those?
2: Like on that same vein. Yeah. Not as bad. No.
0: The throwing the cheese that's- one though. What's the thron- what's the throwing the cheese one?
2: There's this trend where to get a baby to stop crying, they just randomly walk up and throw a slice of cheese onto their baby's face. It, I mean, it works, but I mean, I'll let you watch it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's kind of cute. It gently lands on the. D- they're like I like, you made it I thought it no. was like a like a a fastball into their face. Some no.
1: Some parents do it that way. If you've seen some of the videos, they like chuck it out their face. Yeah, yeah no that
0: that was like a a light flop on the top of the forehead, and it seemed to work, but it goes too far with some like some parents. I don't know, man. like that that was fine. The little flop, harmless. It actually, the baby seemed to enjoy it.
2: It, I mean, the baby seemed to just be like, But you literally can't
0: miss. And by miss, I mean, like, you can't, like, you can't be like, oh, shoot, oops. Like, you can't go too far. You know, this is not the time to push the limits. Like, gently flop it on the baby's head. If if that doesn't get a reaction, move on.
2: Gently flopping a piece of cheese on a baby's head is very different than forcefully smacking a hard-shelled egg onto a kid's face. As
0: a content creator slash influencer like anything else you have to redo shit you have to take five selfies or re- a, a few takes before you get the you know whatever it is you need to say for the thing you're trying to say or you know I, you know and i'm not talking about like hey guys i'm holding my baby or just like showing our dogs but like when we're influencing you know or we're even if we're doing like uh a, 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 having fun with like one of those limps lip syncing things that we do with some of our guests mm-hmm. like. We get it wrong. We have to do it again. We have to do several takes. Like, the moment you start doing that with your kids, you're making them fucking work, you know? And yeah. then you become, like, their director. You stop being their parent. And the moment that you start thinking about, oh, we got to get this right because we want it to do well, ugh.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think this would be, you know, when the, once the kids get older, but when people become, like, family influencers. Yeah. It's just like you're... you. You can see
0: some of those, and I can tell, like these kids that I do multiple takes,
2: and they're miserable. Like you can tell that they don't want to be doing this. Like yeah. they want to be playing outside with their friends.
0: No, it's nuts. Ugh. Are there more?
2: Yeah, there are more. Uh, let's do the Nutella one.
0: Is it? Yeah, is there a cute one? Maybe.
2: Um. Okay. So the Nutella challenge is where the parent will be in the bathroom, and they'll. Um, kind of like wipe Nutella on their hand and tell their kid that That's they cool. need toilet paper, and then their kid will bring them toilet paper. And then when they grab it, they wipe Nutella on their kid's hand and no. pretend that it's
0: no, yeah, immediately no. It's
2: mean. It's mean.
0: No, Do you don't even it? need to see it. I know. I've heard enough. <laughs> I've heard enough.
2: Some of the kids' reactions are really sweet, though. They're like, "It's okay, mommy."
0: I, I, fine. I get it, but like, it's mean. It's just.
2: It's the spirited. fact that people
0: are doing it for the clicks and trying to confuse and and not knowing what type of reaction your kid might get just seems icky. I don't like these. Tic- I don't like the kid trends.
1: Yeah. Well, this one's a key one. The bathroom challenge.
2: Should we do the bathroom challenge? Let's do the
1: bathroom challenge. Okay.
2: So the bathroom challenge is once the kids get a little older, people are putting them in a bathroom and saying, "Okay, you can say bad words here and only here. And then they'll leave the room while the camera's recording and see what the child said.
1: That's interesting. It's cute because it gives them a safe space.
0: (laughs) 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 Does she know any other? (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh my god. That okay, pretty, that's okay. Cute. That was cute. That was really cute. That was pretty cute.
1: Some of the children they won't say anything. They'll just like sit there and be like, Okay,
0: I'm done. Well, the fact that she knew what a bad word was is kind of endearing to know that she shouldn't say it. Um Mama has a potty mouth. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> Bitch. Like I love that she was like, Wait, I said it. Is it okay? It's cute that, that she was also cute. knows. Yeah, it was that was cute. That was cute. cute. Alright, that that was fine. I just, I don't want, I don't, no tricking. Like that to me is just like, all right, here you can go. I'm giving you permission. You can do this. There's no deception. There's no making things. Something is gross when it's not gross. Like the Nutella thing. Like why are we making... You know, I bet there's and I bet there's fucking videos out there of like parents licking the Nutella off their fingers before they I bet I guarantee you that's Oh, for out there. sure. For sure. Guarantee you. That's
2: Just to freak their just kid. Just to out.
0: freak their kid out.
2: Yeah, it's the ones where the where the kid is the butt of the joke. Yeah. Those are the yeah, those are the ones said. that are Yeah. Yeah, no no yeah. butt of the joke.
0: Um, <sighs>
2: okay, this isn't really a trend, but I'm curious about your take on this one. So, there's I mean it is a trend that going around where beige moms must be stopped.
0: What are beige moms?
2: So, beige moms are, you know, those houses where you walk in and everything is beige and cream and white. Okay. So, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it, but a lot of people are coming down on moms who are beige and like only let their kids have like an aesthetically beige life. Like all their clothes are white or beige, all their whole room looks like that, and they don't let any color in. Okay, um, that's a little weird. So, uh, there's, I mean, also, are they, are they
0: doing any harm? I don't know. I guess it just depends on, on, on what that conversation looks like with the mom and the kid in terms of like, like why they can't do something.
2: Why they can't have color. Like,
0: yeah. Like the fact that you would limit your kid to certain choices because they don't want, you don't want it to like fuck with your aesthetic.
2: Right. That's that's the controversy there.
0: (laughs) Is that what it is? Can I see an example of a beige mom?
2: Yeah, so it's basically just a video of, you know, she's showing her aesthetic and all the aesthetically pleasing baby things. And then, you know, you can't help but get gifts from people that are going to ruin your aesthetic. Yeah, but like what
0: I I don't, but what we just saw, I don't get, I don't know.
2: There's just a divide of. of, I
0: feel like this is like a Karen comment. If your kid walks out and says, mom, I want to get this shirt or whatever. Again, you know, like, like discount, like not assuming like budgets and like people can afford. I mean, shit, like it was. When I was a kid it was like what we could afford at like rummage sales. Mm-hmm. Like we I didn't have the luxury of like, you know, certain choices. Um but yeah, like let's assume it's like a privileged parent with the funds to buy their kid whatever they want and not letting their kid wear certain clothes or do certain things, but spray painting a christmas tree that they let them decorate, I don't think is the end of the fucking world. I I don't know.
2: Yeah, I think it's a it's a matter of to each their own like if if you're treating your child well there's food on the table there all the you know it's like you're allowed to have your things that you like yeah too, i mean and-
0: i post a picture of, of river um and she was laying really straight with her irons down and i and the, I, I posted an instagram stories and i just like wrote like a caption like planking oh, yeah, the plank. i saw that that, was, yeah, funny. I saw that. Uh, <laughs> I was funny too and then some girl replied back um that's not planking
2: God.
0: Now I assume that this person was referring to like a plank for like working out when you're on like your I mean, I assume, I don't know, but like you know you're a Karen when you feel the need to correct something and 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 give your input that something for something that you may not agree with, that is not harming anyone. Now, this particular parent that we saw, like they're suggesting that, like because this mom spray painted a tree, they're fucking up their kid's development. I don't know. I think that's going a bit too far. But like, I don't know. Mind your fucking business, honestly. Yeah. Like, don't use a kid as a prop. Don't make them the butt of a joke. Don't use them for clout or clicks. And that's not to say, like, yeah, like bragging your kids and show a nice picture of them and they do something cute that you're proud of and yeah, like sure. But like, don't turn them into like you know, child, child workers. Yeah. And I also uh, feel
2: like at the end of the day, there's no way that these beige moms are like throwing their kids colorful toys away. Like I'm, that's I'm the thing. Sure like beige
0: moms don't even know if they're beige moms. Like it, I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, I could be wrong. I could be, I, I may, maybe I'm not operating with all the information, but the people against beige moms sound like a bunch of Karens. Like mind your fucking yeah. business. Like, why is this girl- On TikTok, leaving a Walgreens, making a video about some other fucking mom who was minding her business and decided to, like, paint a tree. Let's assume she painted it with, like, child-safe paint. Didn't affect anyone. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Don't be a fucking mom, Karen. Mind your fucking business. (laughs) I, I agree. Do we have a writer in her
1: we want to get to? We have a writer in her, and she emailed in. Her tagline is, how to get over someone I never committed to.
2: Okay. Hi, Nick and the household. I need some serious advice. I don't know how much information you want in these emails, so I apologize if this is too long. Here goes nothing. I was in a casual relationship after my divorce for six months. Never made it official because I wasn't ready. I made some questionable choices during that time, leaving the door open for other people and not giving this person the full reassurance that we were exclusive. He wanted to be exclusive from the beginning, but he also wanted to be patient and supportive. He stuck around and agreed that he could do casual. He put in his best effort and planned cute dates, trips, concerts, and always wanted to be present in my life. I knew I had strong feelings for him and the kind of instant connection that I had never had with anyone before, but for some reason, I felt so strongly that I deserved to be single during this time in my life and not to give in to the pressure of a relationship. I didn't want to close the door on other possibilities because I felt so much failure from committing and being loyal to the wrong person when I got married. I needed therapy a long time ago, I know. All of my subsequent actions were based out of fear and not a reflection of how I actually felt about him. It's like my head and my heart constantly battled each other and it became hard to gain clarity of my emotions or what to do. However, during those six months, he was very understanding of my situation and how I felt about commitment at the time. He chose to stand by me, support me, and show up for me always. He continuously reiterated how much I meant to him and how much he cared about my growth and healing as a person and a potential girlfriend, wife, and mother of his children. That's how strongly he believed we would work out. We had so much in common and made countless amazing memories together. Eventually, he had to go out of state for training related to his career. It was going to be a month apart from each other, but we couldn't wait for it to be over so we could see each other again. During this time, it was hard to stay as connected as usual because of the distance. I felt a shift in communication, and right before he was supposed to come back, he let me know that the new position he was training for has now relocated him three hours away from where I live. In his career, there's nothing he can do to refuse that type of move. I know that's not very far, but he knew that I don't prefer long-distance dating, and he felt defeated and devastated by the news because he didn't want to lose me. At least that's what he told me. Very shortly after that, he dropped the bomb on me that he decided to start moving on and moving forward with his life and the idea of us ever being together. He had disconnected from his feelings and was no longer invested in what we had. This text came only weeks after he told me that I was the only woman he ever truly loved in his life, which he had told me on more than one occasion. He had told me numerous times that he could never stop loving me and he would wait until I was ready. In his defense, I had never promised my full commitment at this point, and I did try to explore another connection, which wasn't fair to him. However, the abrupt disconnection of his feelings and everything he ever said to me came as a huge shock. There was no closure, no real conversation over the phone or FaceTime, and no conversation face-to-face before he moved. He had promised me that we could at least talk in person when he got back from training, but weeks went by without hearing from him. Ultimately, I asked what was going on and he informed me that he met someone and started dating them in a matter of weeks. He said a conversation is not going to happen because he respects her and feels that it's inappropriate and that there's truly nothing left to say between us. He never gave me the chance at that point to say how I felt about long distance and how I truly felt about us and the whole situation. I didn't get a chance to fight for him or express my true desire to be with him and only him. This sudden end to the relationship all came as a complete and utter shock. I'm still living in that shock three months later and can't let it go. I know that I was in love with him and I let him slip through my fingers. I ruminate over every decision I made last summer and can't understand why I was so hesitant to begin with. This leads me to several questions that I have. How do I ever truly find closure when something ends so abruptly and shockingly with no conversation and so many unanswered questions? How is the person who was so outwardly in love with me be the one that could emotionally move on and invest in someone else so quickly? Why do I think about him every single day still when I was the one who had a problem committing in the first place? Why do I feel like he did me so wrong when I arguably did him wrong first? How do I come to terms with how it ended when I never even let it be a real relationship? I look back and think about every amazing quality he embodies, how strong our connection was, both mentally and physically, how much he pushed me to heal and grow, and I truly feel I lost my person. If it was the wrong timing, that must mean it was the wrong person, right?
0: Okay, well, I mean, she asked a lot of questions. This is got one by one. How do I ever truly find closure? When something ends so abruptly and shocking with no conversations and no unanswered questions. Well, again, as we always say, you don't get closure from other people. You get closure from acceptance. So you just have to accept it's not what you thought it was. That's the big takeaway. We always have a hard time moving on from things because we would glorify them and we don't accept it for what it is. We obsess over what we thought it was or we wanted it to be and things like that. So, you know, if you're looking for acceptance, you don't need a conversation with this guy to try to get him to articulate why his feelings have changed so abruptly. And then how is this person who was so outwardly in love with me, the one who could emotionally move on, how could could he move on so quickly? Well, the fact that he moved on so quickly is probably part of the reason why he was so emotive with you. Now, that doesn't make him some sort of love bomber, but like there are people who fall fast. There are people who... Love to get swept up in the emotions of things. They, they go 100 miles per hour. You had a connection with this guy. And listen, you didn't want to, for whatever reason, you weren't ready. But the fact that, like, you know, me and Natalie, there was a, we've, you know, we've talked about this over and over about the beginning of our relationship. And for nine months, we had a casual relationship. You know, we were not exclusive. There could have been a point where, at the point where I was like, "Oh my God, I'm what am I doing? I wish I I fucked up." Well, like let's date. She could have said no, and yeah, I would have been sad and devastated. But like eventually, I would have came to the conclusion that yeah, like you know, for all the reasons that maybe go, this could be my person. Him moving on so quickly discredits some of the things he said to you in the past, and not because he's a love bomber or that he was, you know manipulating you or had bad intentions is that he got clearly as someone who gets caught up in his emotions and he had very strong feelings for you you didn't respond in kind that kind of was discouraging at times and then finally he you know probably didn't meet someone else and just as quickly fell for her so this is a guy who falls fast that's his track record it sounds like and why are you so upset because we always get very upset when we lose power in any situation and you went from having the power you went from being in control he was the one pursuing you uh you were the one always saying no to him and then all of a sudden you lost that control even up to the point where he got promoted and had to go three hours away you were still being like well i don't really like long-term relationships that was a writer in her taking advantage of the power that she had by, you know, letting him know, well, I don't just, you know, I don't know, like, I don't do long distance. He's like, all right, well, fine, fuck it, you know, like. And now you have no control. Now he has told you, now he's setting, you know, at first it was her. You know, this is my boundary. This is my expectation. I can't date you. And, and valid reasons. You just got out of a divorce. Maybe you didn't want to jump into a, a committed relationship. And it was honestly probably the right decision. It's one thing to say you're going to be patient. He didn't show that he was willing to be patient. And that's fine, you know, and I'm sure you had a strong connection and I'm sure there was a lot of great things, but now you're glorifying all the great things that you had with him, but may didn't have with your ex. You've only dated two people in the past. I don't know how long of a period of time it sounds like. Oh, maybe three people. But it sounds like there's another guy in between there or something, but she doesn't say, it doesn't sound like she has an extensive dating history. You know, she has this other guy, this guy, and then her ex, you know, maybe she needs to get out there and start dating. But the big, the reason why she's feeling this way is because she lost power. And she went from having power to losing that power. And that just fucks with our ego. And then it makes us, you know, have feelings like regret. And it makes us question things like, did I fuck up? You know, because our choices do matter. Maybe they could have had a good thing. But most likely the fact that he did move on so quickly and he did find someone else so quickly and he was ready to like enforce that boundary with her tells me that that connection that she thought she had with him wasn't as strong as she thought it was. And that this is a guy who says a lot of big proclamations, uh, because in the moment he might feel have strong feelings, but those feelings don't stand the test of time and aren't as strong in reality. Uh, because, like, if they were, that they, they wouldn't go away well so quickly. If he was that uh, into her, if he had that strong of a connection with her, it wouldn't be that easy to meet someone else. I mean, you know, it just right. you just wouldn't. So, stop ruminating. Stop saying you, you know. You didn't lose your person. You lost a good guy you had a good connection with. And the fact that he doesn't want to be with you, it does you no good to obsessively tell yourself, I lost my person. There are literally billions of people in this world. And you can have multiple people can be your person. You can have multiple intimate connections with someone. And again, the fact that he was so quick to move on means that clearly this connection wasn't as strong as he implied. So Don't make it worse by telling yourself a lie and obsessing over it and beating yourself up and things like that. Uh, Just accept that maybe it was this bad timing, learn from it, you know, but I don't even know how much there is to learn. It makes a lot of sense that you didn't want to jump into another very intense, serious relationship with someone who clearly has a track record of falling fast and maybe you weren't ready for it, you know, and that's okay. So. I think you are just kind of beating yourself up. And more, more than anything, I think the loss of the power that you felt with him is messing you up. And I think accepting that will help you get the closure that you need. Uh, what do we have lined up for our callers today?
1: So we have three callers. Our first caller is in a situation with a coworker who has a cum kink. Our second oh, caller yeah. is wondering whether her married coworker is flirting with her. And just
0: so you heard that right, a cum <laughs> kink.
1: Mm-hmm. It's exactly how it sounds. What's our second caller? Our second caller is wondering whether her married coworker is flirting with her. Okay. And then our third caller is calling in because her mom would accept the fact that she left the Mormon church.
0: Okay. We love a good uh, religious fallout. There's some good ones. There's some bangers. I hope you guys enjoy them. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to our callers.
1: Question time with me. Let's ask Nick your sexy questions.
0: How's it going? Good.
3: Uh, my name's Sophia. I'm 28, and I am in a situationship with a coworker um, who has a cum kink.
0: A cum kink? Yes. Uh, okay. What is a cum kink?
3: Well, basically, and I'm not kink-shaming anybody, but... Um, no, we don't,
0: we don't yuck anyone's yum, but we are curious.
3: <laughs> uh, he eats his own cum.
0: Oh, Okay. Of course. Yes, of course. Yes. Um, say more.
3: So I met this, this man at work. We work in similar industries and typically I don't like to date within my industry. So I was already very hesitant, but he had really pursued me. Um, we already had some like boundaries within kind of dating since it was like long distance and of course the work thing. But he had really, you know, tried. So... We met up a few times and then he would like FaceTime me to kind of have like, you know, sexual time, I guess. And one of the times that he FaceTimed me, uh, he was jerking off and then he was taking the cum on. And I was just like having a cup of coffee. Like I wasn't.
0: You're just like sitting there watching the news, so to speak.
3: Yeah. 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 Real Housewives, actually. And there you
0: go. Which <laughs> he... one? Which one? I,
3: I watch all of them, Nick. Okay. I'm obsessed. All
0: right. <laughs>
3: Um, he starts playing with like his cum and then licking it.
0: So he finished.
3: I think it was pre-cum.
0: Okay. So he was just like almost scraping the tip, so to speak. Yeah. And then licking his finger.
3: Yeah. Like sucking on his finger and like giving me this, like, look, like I was supposed to be like, Oh my God. And I just went like this. Cause I didn't know. I just covered my mouth because I didn't know what to do. I was like, so surprised, you know. um, yeah. I just maybe he could have told me before that that was a thing he liked.
0: <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, I don't <laughs> not to not to give too much away about my sexual prowess, but you know, I like to think I'm exploratory. But I've never, I don't believe I have anything that kinky in my arsenal, so to speak. So I've never had to figure out a way to deliver something that I've. You know, wondered if you know that most people might find untraditional, so to speak. So I I don't know, but I like you. I agree that something like that, you would think they would have to like explore some sort of delivery, as opposed to you know. I guess it is, you know, one approach. It seems like what he did was just to kind of act like, "What's the big deal?" You know.
3: I think it's because he didn't take me seriously. He didn't really care what I thought. So he's like 15 years older than me. He is like. like a higher tier than me. He's a man in the industry and I'm in a highly male dominated industry. I'm probably one of the younger people. So I think he didn't really care what I thought of him, to be honest with you.
0: What Um, gave you that impression? Because I mean, he did pursue you fairly aggressively, right?
3: Yes, but I think it's really untraditional and kind of frowned upon to pursue somebody. There's a lot of stigmas behind it within the area that I work in. It's it's healthcare. It's not really a good look. So I feel like if you really do pursue somebody, you have to be very sure about it. So that's what I was kind of conflicted about. But he was inconsistent with his texting, and we were long distance. So I found that to be a little bit annoying. But also like he very early on um, had initiated like some sexual comments which is like fine, I guess, but I don't know. I would take it very slow with people that you work with. But one of the things that kind of also led me to his cum kink is he would, we would send pictures and he would send me pictures of a glass of milk with like, as like part of the, you know, sexting. And I didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. Then he would send me a picture of his cum in a glass as if to simulate a glass of milk.
0: No, yeah, yeah. Did he... Was there another picture of him drinking it?
3: No, but I was like, "What am I supposed to do with that?"
0: How 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 much of this kink have you seen? Like Uh, he licked the tip, what we think is pre cum. He sent you a glass with his cum in it. Have you seen him go full on eating at all, so to speak?
3: I don't. Well, then I remember when we met up one of the first times. Like we kind of hooked up, and I really didn't want to like give him head. I didn't want to make him cum. I didn't want him to make me cum because I kind of catch feelings. So when I was saying like, I ended up like giving him head because you know how those things, those situations go. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I was like, okay, but I can't make you come. Like I have to leave now. And he, uh, I guess I really got him going that I was like, no, no, no. And he just came all over me and he like loved that. So I've, I've seen him lick his cum on FaceTime. And then one time we ended up having sex. And as he was coming, he's like, I want you to lick my cum off the sheets, and I'm gonna lick it off with
0: you. Okay, that's unique. I guess. Yeah. So, I guess, listen. Other than you telling a very wild story, which we appreciate, what what are you hoping to figure out? Have you talked to him about this kink?
3: Well, that's the thing. So the kink, honestly, I could deal with. I'm not like, I think it was interesting. I think maybe it warned me about it. But basically, I'm kind of hurt by this guy because I was very resistant to this relationship. He really pursued me. He had me come out to the East Coast for the holidays. I mean, our families are both out there. Um, but I met up with him in Manhattan. My family's in Connecticut. His family's in Jersey. He was like, oh, I'll pay for your flight change, like, which was nice because it's expensive, you know. Um, I got my own hotel, but he was like, let's get hotels together, blah, blah, blah. He was very touchy when we, when we met up, like finally, that was the first time we like ended up actually hooking up right after we hook up. I felt like he was distant. And then the next day he suddenly came up with a sudden family emergency. He had to leave Manhattan, uh, that night, but he was going to hang out with me, have dinner with me. And then the whole evening, I just felt like he was being a little weird. So at dinner, I kind of like called him out and I was like, Hey, I just, can I get a read on you right now? Like, I think that you had good intentions here, but as soon as I feel like you got what you wanted, you seem like you're not interested anymore. And he was like, you know, you actually are so intuitive. But he says this to me, he goes, you know, I just been thinking about it. You're vegan. That's stressful for me. Which by, I've been vegan for 12 years, Nick. It is not stressful for anybody. It's a very easy situation.
0: But you're, <laughs> yeah, he, you're you're upfront about that. He knew this fo- the whole time.
3: He's like, we don't yeah. live in the same states. Like, he's like, you don't know if you ever want to get married. Which he just went he went through a bad divorce like four years ago or something. He was the one saying how marriage is a construct, and like I'm kind of like neutral about it. Like I'm cool with kind of whatever.
0: Yeah, it's not um, even on your radar. You're just looking at making connections with people and hoping to find people who want to respect your time as much as you want to respect them. And you want to build a relationship, however, traditional or untraditional, like you're open and you're mm-hmm. clear about that.
3: Mm-hmm. And he
0: was, he was kind of throwing all this random shit in your face.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And I felt like he like abandoned me a little bit. Cause the next day he was supposed to like, after we spent two days in New York together, he was supposed to like drive me to Amtrak. I had like two pound suitcases, like, and he, oh, I have to leave tonight, you know, like to go for this family emergency, which like sounded. Do you know what
0: the family emergency like, is
3: bullshit. And he was telling me oh, sounded like bullshit. Uh, it was like it was a surgery that had come up, but I mean, surgeries aren't usually that like spur of the moment. They're usually kind of scheduled for what it was. And also, it's like we had kind of planned this. Like it was, it was like the cousin of his.
0: It, when you think back about all these interactions you had with this guy. I'm getting the impression there were a handful of moments where your body was like, or, you know, Spidey sense, whatever you want, red flags. You're like, "Ah, I don't seem kind of off. And then you found a way as we often do because you liked them. And, you know, it wasn't all bad. It was a lot of charming things and a a lot of things that you were attracted to. So in the spirit of trying to be understanding and being empathetic and being open minded, which, you know, that's the tightrope we all walk when we date people, you know, Um, but as you look back at all these interactions with this guy, you know, does it feel like maybe you ignored more red flags than you should have?
3: Yeah. And I have a lot of regrets about that, especially cooking up with him. I wish I didn't do that so much.
0: Okay. So other than feeling regret and beating yourself up over it, like, I guess, what do you think you could have changed? I mean, what's done is done. You know, you hooked up with them.
3: I feel like I did ignore a lot of the red flags and I kind of noticed this trend a little bit in my dating history. I've like crowdsourced my friends because I'm like, do I attract, like, is there something about me that's attracting people who kind of do these types of things to me? Like I was very open about, you know, if we sleep together, like it's going to mean something to me and I'm going to be hurt if it's just nothing to you. And then that's exactly what happens, you know?
0: Now, how long are you waiting? Also, this guy pretty quickly was introducing sex into the relationship. So, listen, he's a guy. You know, guys are sexual in nature. So, you know, it's it is tough. I I I empathize with the position you're in because even the good ones, so to speak, you know, if they're physically attracted to you, like it's you start bringing up your attraction, like it can turn sexual pretty quick, right? And even the good ones, you know, the guys, when you hook up. Fairly early in a relationship, it will always kind of—I don't know—it just fucks with our brains, so to speak. You know,
3: it was like two months though. We have been talking for two months, and the first time we actually like made out and like went, gave each other head, I guess, was um, three weeks into it.
0: That is an unfortunate reality of hookup culture. Where I, when I was single, I was in this boat with you, like Nally and I hooked up very quickly in our courtship whatever you want to call it and part of that was luck you know part of that was luck of us kind of figuring out you know introducing intimacy and sex early in our relationship and that complicated that that just always complicates things you know Mm -hmm. and two months yeah like it's a that's a decent amount of time to wait but it's also like in two months you still don't know a lot about each other type of thing as you kind of are realizing so Why do you think you're attracting, like from your standpoint, instead of talking to your friends or whatever, if you you look at your dating history, forget about like, do I think I'm attracting the wrong men? What are some characteristics that you seem to notice being a pattern in the men that you are dating?
3: Emotionally unavailable.
0: Okay. And how, and Um, how, and and, in what way? So give me an example of this guy. The first time that you maybe were alerted, to his emotional unavailability?
3: I would say when we were texting, he would go two or three days without responding to me or even just taking two hours to respond to a text. Mm -hmm. Which like, I'm not saying like you need to text me every hour, but it's like if we're having a dialogue, it's difficult to have a conversation. And then when I would be like, hey, like what have you been up to? I haven't heard from you in like, you know, two or three days. Um, Not so like accusatory, I say like more casual, kind of more chill. But he'll say things like, um, oh, you know, I've just been so busy. I've got a lot going on. To me, that's him being like unreal. Like I've done that to guys before that I'm not that interested in. I'm not giving them a lot. I'm not really thinking about them. That's why I'm not texting them.
0: That is, you know, God, you know, it sucks because, you know, Nali and I have even been open about that, you know, in the sense that they're, you know, I... You could argue that on some level, we had some kind of situationship early in our relationship. And you could argue that on some level, my behavior was fuck boyish in nature. We had pretty open, we had very open communication. We were, you know, uh, but at the same time, there were times where, you know, I was disconnected intentionally because I, you know wasn't sure about this, this is something I could do. And I had my own kind of insecurities about it. But regardless, my behavior was inconsistent and things like that. You know, we made it work, you know, eventually. And she had to do the whole like, you know what? I'm done. Fuck you. I'm going to start dating other people. I need to like stop giving myself access to this guy. And, and, you know, and I responded, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm saying, it's like on some level, you're just going to have to, if you're going to keep pursuing these type of men who in their middle age have successful careers i guess is your that's probably something you're often at 20 you know are you often dating older men on some level
3: i think the thing is i'm actually so open nick like my last boyfriend was 25 which he thought i won't even get into that when i was 27 at the time he was 25 he didn't have a job he's got like family money but he was like We had a lot of fun together like i've dated younger i've dated older and i just find that like time and time again they try to break down my walls like i have pretty good boundaries
0: okay so you dated a 25 year old who didn't have a job but had family money and then here you are dating a guy who's 15 years older than you who it sounds like he's pretty successful in his job
3: he's very successful
0: he's very successful okay uh what about some of the like I guess what I'm saying, when was the last, and again, I'm not critiquing the guys you're going after. I'm just trying to find patterns. And it's not like, is all these other guys, are, have there been unique things about them that you were attracted to? As opposed to maybe like, you know, a guy who was an accountant who had a pretty vanilla, you know, regular nine to five, so to speak.
3: Like not too long ago, I've had like things sprinkled in with, with people. But I guess my other last year's relationship was somebody who, you know, had kind of like a normal job. And that was really fun. He just had crazy ADHD. I mean, he okay. could not focus.
0: <laughs> I I think the biggest takeaway is, and this might be somewhat discouraging. No one's gonna protect your heart more than you. And I think you probably, like a lot of people out there, especially women, in an effort to be over communicative, will say things like, Listen, like here, I wanna like be honest where I'm at, and I want I'm um, hesitant about X, Y, or Z, especially when around intimacy. And If we do this, I might catch feelings. And I just think, you know, I think over, I think communication is great. However, especially with someone where you're still, you know, you're not in a relationship. You're, you're, you're not fully committed. You don't know them all that well. You still have inconsistency in your relationship, still inconsistency with communication. You know, they can text you one day. They can, you know, go 48 hours without reaching out to you. I just honestly think that if that's the situation you're operating in, which is a very common situation right nowadays when it comes to dating, you you have to protect your heart and asking a guy that you're dating to do that while he's still figuring how he feels about you, I think is just a risky proposition. And we can. Yeah. And we can kind of say, oh, well, they should do this. And you're right. I mean, I think we can be critical of these men, but I just think if your goal is to try to remove yourself from f- frustrating situations, I just think when it comes to intimacy and dating, if if you have to say something like, hey, I just want you to know that if we do this and yada, 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 I'm going to feel a certain way. If you have to communicate that to a guy early on and you don't get an answer that blows your mind in the best possible way and even that's still risky i i just think you have to proceed with caution
3: yeah i think like it's only got my text and i'm like hey keep in mind if we hook up like you have to marry me it's more so and i think a lot of women and probably men too deal with this it's like you know you can't have like a simple easy make out it's like once you start making out you're like Oh, my balls hurt. Like if they don't, you know, if they get turned on.
0: <laughs> I. And it's like, how
3: do you navigate that? Because I'm like, you
0: tell them to fuck off, yeah. in the and be- the nicest possible way. I mean, yeah, like we've said this on the show before. Blue balls. It's a myth. It's it's fake. It's I don't. It's not. It's it's made the fuck up. I don't know. And again, even if that's true, they can literally leave and go rub one out and jerk off. Like I have def- never understood this idea that somehow women or if men men date men that somehow when it comes to men and dating that the people they date are somehow responsible for making sure they don't have these mythical cramps or whatever the fuck i don't even know what blue balls are i really truly under i don't understand other than like yeah like i guess if i'm close to climaxing and i don't like bummer (laughs) <laughs> but I've never had, I, I, you know, and again, if I was like, oh, I, I guess I would if if for some reason I was in some sort of uncomfortable state, I could literally go home and take care of that. And this idea that somehow women or gay men or, you know, bi, uh, non, whoever, non-bi, whoever are, are hooking up with men are somehow responsible to make sure that they climax for some sort of healthcare reason. <laughs> it's absurd. It's fucking absurd. Yeah. So I would just, if I were you, roll your fucking eyes. I would say, like, honestly, don't put that on me. And, like, that's, you know, no. And when guys ask multiple times, I mean, listen, you know, there's that fine line. You're making out, come oh, on, baby, you know, what I mean, and, yeah. and it goes both <laughs> ways. But at, at some point, if if you're just like, listen, I don't want to do this. And a guy keeps pushing. You don't have to get aggressive. But you can say, listen, I, I'm not just just so we're on the same page. This is not me trying to build the sexual tension i really don't want to do this and i really need you to respect that and you say it calmly and you give them a look that you give him that look where i'm not fucking around yeah and yeah. yeah i just think when it comes to dating just if nothing else doing that because yeah like on some part that is on you when you when you're telling the story it's just like well i didn't want to give him head but you know how it goes i did and I'm assuming you're still like saying this was consensual, right?
3: Yeah, it it, it is. But like, it's hard, Nick, because I'll literally be like, no, no. And I think that there's something about my boundaries and me being like, I don't know, I guess confident that makes them want to pursue me more, or make them want to push harder. Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty petite. I'm like five, three. And I think that that's like a turn on for maybe the guys that actively pursue me and they like the concept that they can maybe like convince me to do something because and I know that sounds crazy but I've like literally noticed this trend that I'm like why why do they push so hard when I say no I mean maybe that's men in general I don't know
0: I mean sad I I don't I, I can't speak for all men and that's unfortunate to hear yes listen there's a fine line You know, that dating dance between that chase. We all love a chase. You know, men love to chase. Women love to be chased. And I do think, you know, that can be dicey and complicated, you know, Mm -hmm. but these men need to respect these no's, you know, it's that simple. Mm -hmm. And you need to respect your own boundaries in the sense Mm of, you know, if you're going to say no, you keep in saying no. And if, if they don't respect it, ask them to leave. But it can be confusing, right? When it's kind of like no, no, you know. And I don't know. How, I I don't know how you're saying no. Yeah. But no should mean no. But like there is that dance in between where it's like I don't know. If we should do this, you know. And then like <laughs> I, I've been in situations where you know long ago I don't know if you should. Like, oh, okay, cool. Let's just stop. And she's like, well, no. I mean, like you know, come on. And it's like yeah. listen. I'm just. I don't like if, if you're gonna tell me no, I'm gonna stop. So like we need to be. Uh, you know you know, with people I don't, you know, really have a rapport with. So it can, as it meant, it can be confusing, but like, you should give them that look, you know, that, so to speak, where it's like, no. And then you stop, you know, like, that's the thing. If, if you're going to say no, and they're not going to listen, you need to stop it all, you know, because it can, that, that's for both parties, you know, it's like, oh, you're heavy petting, you're getting horned up, you're rubbing, you're touching, you're like, well, I don't want to do this, you know? So, and if they keep if you're whatever they, you know, whatever they're doing, if you're, if they're like trying to unbutton your pants and you're like, Hey, hey, listen, I don't want to do this. And I like, go, Okay. And then two minutes later, you make out again and they go down your pants again, immediately, immediately shut it all down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Know? That's a
3: good red flag to like identify. It's like if you're revisiting that again, then yeah, maybe they I think, just... they
0: think your no isn't really a no,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know? And, you know you gave him a chance to respect that no and still make out and still fool around you know but you could just be like listen i asked you no, and like you you know and and again be polite and all those things because you don't want like it is can be uncomfortable and you know but i don't think you should have much of a leash with these these guys who who aren't respecting your no. you know i agree Mm
3: -hmm. so i have a follow-up question about that guy the end of our night kind of ended with us going to a comedy show and the comedians asking if we were together kind of just doing crowd work and i had said no because i was so annoyed with him at this time and he he wasn't even paying attention though he's rapidly texting you know he's not usually on his phone but of course he's rapidly texting and then as our nights kind of wrapping up he's trying to rush me into a cab so that he can go home for the surgery tomorrow and i was like no i'm gonna enjoy my night in new york like i paid for this hotel room for another night like I'm fine. I'm good. So he goes home, doesn't text me nothing, never Venmoed me for the flight. So I ended up like texting him like, Hey, just so you know, like my feelings were hurt by this. It seemed like you were distracted and pulled away. But like, let's keep it cool and professional going forward. Happy holidays. And if you ever need anything, like you have like my LinkedIn and my work number, whatever. He never responded to that. So my friend encouraged me to send him like a Venmo request, which like typically I wouldn't do. It's not like I really needed him to pay for the flight, but I was like, I fronted all of this, all of my time. And you totally just like jerked me around. So I did Venmo request him for the flight and he, he never paid me.
0: Not shocking. Listen, yeah. I, he, he doesn't sound like the best guy. He sounds like a, a guy with an interesting kink and it's, it's a strong kink. Right. You know, whatever you want to shame it or not, you know, it's, it's a it's an uh, it's a unique kink. I've never heard of it, you know, but whatevs. And he'd led with it pretty quickly. He had no shame in introducing it to you. His focus is sex. His focus, you know, is he was attracted to your nose. He was he was attracted to you probably be like, I don't want to do this and I need to take my time. And it, it's shitty, you know. That's something, you know, for people out there, unfortunately, when you do wait, oh, you know, I'm going to wait and wait, I'm going to take it slow and take it slow. Unfortunately, like, again, guys can wait two months, you know, a, you know, for a challenge. And so you just really have to pay attention along the way. And if a guy during this, t- if you date someone, have a couple early good dates, right? You know, it's pretty good. You know, make, make out, you are like, I like this guy. There's a lot of green flags here. But then all of a sudden, some red flags show up, some inconsistency. Well, if he's, you know, this whole time, these two months before you hooked up, there was never a period where he was never not at some level inconsistent. There was never a period where he really was, you know, communicative. He followed through with the things he said. He was always reaching out. I would be willing to bet if you went back and looked at your communication via text, it was probably if anything, when it came from him, very sexual in nature, Yeah, you know, it wasn't like, Hey, like, tell me about your day and really trying to get to know you. So like, these were, th- these were data points that you were given that you kind of ignored over the, and, and your big barometer was two months, so to speak. It's like, Oh, well, I, if I make him wait, you know, whether it's six <laughs> weeks or eight weeks, or if it's three or four months, like there was, you weren't really paying attention to the data points, so to speak, because it's hard to do. You like the guy and I, I'm not trying to but I, I think it's something that for you to consider because two months isn't that big of a deal, right? Three months isn't that much for a guy who's in his fuckboy era and he's not committed to you. So like, who know? you know, he could fuck other people while he's waiting to have sex with you. You know, you're not in a relationship, you know? And so we needed to pay attention to those data points if, while you're making someone wait, so to speak, to think, is this guy really, like, what about anything he's done has shown that he's really pursuing me? that he's really trying to get to know me, that he's consistently trying to make me feel safe and secure and comfortable and in control. Like, you should feel like you're in the driver's seat, like that you have the power. And that's, unfortunately, that's where it becomes really cloudy and gray because, you know, that's the dance that you have to like make sure that you're still interested because again, we like to be pursued and we like to like, we love the challenge. And as soon as we find out someone's head over heels for us, we're like, eh, I don't know. I'm like, eh. do I like them? Are you sure? Like, why are they so obsessed with me? I don't understand. You know, like, is this person, person worth my time? And those are things you're going to have to figure out with your ego and, and you know, because, like, yeah, there's a reason why the stereotype of like the nice guys finish last and it's always the fuck boys and blah, blah, blah. Because these fuck boys, like, are very good at, you know, sounding uninterested and being busy and that may make you feel like incomplete or like insecure about yourself. And then, so instead of like, oh, recognizing these behaviors, it's more like that ego says, well, he likes you, babe. Like, he. He likes you. He is really busy. And you just got to let this really busy, successful guy know that like you're here for the, you know, like you're great. You're a great catch. Let's so, let's show him how great you are. And that's just the challenge that you're going to have. And that's the challenge we all have to face, you know, when we're out there dating and trying to, you know, pursue what's really good for our hearts and trying to ignore our egos and our desire to feel validated and feel special. And that's that kind of dance that we always have to do. But At 28 years old, you're an intelligent woman with a a successful job. You're an attractive person. You're going to have options. And you needed to just get good at, in addition to taking things slow and waiting, actually looking at the data points that these guys are giving you. Because this guy was giving you very obvious fuckboy data points. Mm -hmm. So what do I
3: do when I see him at at an event? I'm going to see him in like two months. Or a month, I guess.
0: I would just ignore him. I mean, like, you don't need the money. You know, and honestly, like if fine, you sent the Venmo request. No big deal. If you were to ask me, I would have just told you not to because you you don't need the money. And it's just it's drama. It's 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 you. It's you keeping it's keeping you invested in him. Him not paying you. It's kind of like, yeah, whatever. Maybe I'll get around it or whatever. It's like it's making you think of him. Oh, this guy didn't pay me. It's just keeping you connected and attached to him. Like at this point, you should just be like, I moved on. You know, and like just I wouldn't beat your don't beat yourself up or shame yourself for hooking up with them, you know, mm-hmm. like, learn the lesson and move forward. But like, whatever, you know, it's not the last frog you're, you're going to like waste your time on, you know, but really think about what you learned in this experience. I and mean, what you learned is even though a guy can stick around and he can be patient with me, you know, when I want to take things slow for sex. That's, that's not the end all be all like, well, how is he also showing me that he actually wants to pursue me and get to know me, that he is enjoying getting to know me, that he enjoys spending time with me, you know? Uh, And yeah, it can be somewhat confusing. Yeah. It's like, it seems like a big deal to say, oh, I'd love you to come out and spend time with my family. I I don't think, I don't think meeting someone's family or friends is all that a lot of people make it out to be because we don't know how everyone interact with their family and friends you know like and so those little like like moments in a relationship like we sometimes were like oh well he's invited me to see his family he must like me maybe but you know what's more important that for the past two or three weeks he was really inconsistent and there were days within the past two weeks where you are like, "Is this motherfucker even interested in me?" And then out of nowhere, he's like, "Oh, what are you doing for the holidays? You should come see my family." And then we forget about the past few few weeks of him being inconsistent and him giving all these various red flags. You were like, "Oh, well, he wants to, he wants me to meet his family. He loves me," <laughs> <laughs> you know. So we just have to we have to check in with ourselves more frequently and be more honest with ourselves about how these people, in your case, men are behaving and showing us their actual interest in getting to know us. And even then you're gonna you're gonna you're not gonna always get it right. But yeah. the good news for you in this particular case, there were data points that you did ignore. And so yeah. it's you're you're you have something to work with, so to speak. So is that helpful?
3: Yeah, that's helpful. I think that's really helpful Nick because to be honest with you, I've been feeling like it's me and that I've been attracting like these absolute just like fuck boys. And they're not even that hot to be fuckboys. It's like one thing if they're like
0: It has nothing to do hot. with attractiveness. It has everything to do with how, how, the, how they are good at making you feel. I
3: know. And these yeah. men
0: are good at making you feel almost like devalued. And, you're, and instead of seeing that as a red flag, you're seeing that as an opportunity to prove to them your value. And, you know, listen, like a lot of pe- you know, b- people talk about boundaries all the time. And, you know, but like, a lot of people aren't good at enforcing boundaries. I, said, I had this conversation recently with someone, you know, mm-hmm. um, Bachelor Nation, right? <laughs> I'm a part of it. And people in Bachelor Nation date a lot. And I understand why. Because relatable experiences, it, is, it is, can be very tiresome to go on dates with people outside of Bachelor Nation and outside of entertainment in general. And have to have people like ask weird questions, pretend they're not fans when they aren't. It's, it's, it can be very stressful, right? So I empathize with anyone in Bachelor Nation who dates and within Bachelor Nation. I completely get it. And I had dated plenty in Bachelor Nation. And when I was done (laughs) being the bachelor, I set a boundary with myself. And that was, I'm just, I'm not going to date in Bachelor Nation anymore. Not because there's not great options or there's great people. I just, it's not for me and to me there was no more stresses than benefits and listen i can't predict the future and maybe at some point in the future i'll have to consider you know not enforcing this boundary because maybe i'll just fall in love with someone because they like yeah fuck you're my person maybe that was going to happen but i wasn't going to just go on random dates just because i thought they were cute or pretty and i wasn't going to randomly hook up with anyone anymore in bachelor nation and i just i set that boundary and i enforced it And there were plenty of opportunities over the following years and seasons where people like tried. And I was like, listen, you seem great, but like, this is a boundary I set for myself and I never not enforced it. And there are plenty of other people in bachelor nation. I have heard it time and time again. Well, I told myself I would never be say dating someone in bachelor nation, but here I am again. It's like, you know what that is? (laughs) That it is, is someone who just Isn't enforcing a boundary? You can say, you can talk about your boundaries all fucking day long to yourself and your friends. Just because you name a boundary doesn't mean shit unless you're actually willing to enforce it. And yeah, enforcing a boundary is difficult. It is inconvenient. That's why they're called boundaries. The the fact that you have to enforce it and that you have to come up with it in the first place means you identified a pattern about yourself or something that you were doing that didn't serve you well, and you wanted to make a change. Doesn't mean it was, like you, it was bad per se, but like, for me, I was like, listen, I don't know, like, be, me dating in Bachelor Nation hasn't got me anywhere, so I, I want to get out of it. And there were plenty of moments. I met some wonderful people, some very attractive women where it's just like, I don't know, like, I'm attracted to them. I think they're great. But I was like, you know what? I, I set this boundary for myself, so I'm going to enforce it. And at times, that was super inconvenient for me. That's what boundaries are. But we talk about boundaries all the time, as if we just speak it, somehow we're going to automatically follow through. And it's the follow through part that matters. And that's very difficult. And you, you know, I think you could do a better job of following through with some of these boundaries you're setting for yourself. I think you could follow through with not only identifying some of these behaviors, but actually seeing it for what it is rather than make excuses for it and then masking it as you being super empathetic. Because I think deep down, your intuition is better than you give it credit for and you are just finding ways to ignore your intuition.
3: I agree, I'm a Virgo, so I'm very <laughs> intuitive. I'm kidding, I know everyone's cringing. That's okay. <laughs> no, but I agree, actually, you're really right, Nick. I never thought about that, because I do think sometimes I have too many rules. I have a lot of boundaries, and I never thought about it that I don't actually follow through. I'm really good at setting them, but not as good as enforcing them, so.
0: Yeah. Well, you're not alone oh, in that. I but that. I think that, you know, I think we talk about our boundaries all the time. And when push comes to shove, we're rarely enforcing them. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, you know, I would have had, oh, like, well, I told myself I was never going to date anyone in matronation. As if like just saying that somehow I deserve some sort of medal because I, you know, <laughs> but there are people who do that. They'll, they'll say the thing and literally never enforce it. And they'll, and you know what that is? They go like, well, just, you know, you know what they don't, they use that boundary that they allegedly set for themselves. They use it as some sort of like negotiation tool or manipulation tool, not necessarily intentionally, but mm-hmm. they'll say to that person, well, I told myself I've never dated anyone in self nation, but you must be special. So like, here we go. You know? <laughs> oh, I told myself I've never dated anyone like you before. <laughs> oh, great. Congratulations. You're just admitting to someone that you're not willing to enforce a boundary that you're willing to set and that they're yeah. so special that they are the exception of why they can- you shouldn't enforce your own boundaries with them. That yeah. is not a way to like get someone to, you know, take you seriously, to respect your decisions, to respect your nose. Like, again, like everyone should respect your nose. I'm not saying that's an excuse for a guy. Not, but like you, when you show a pattern of saying, well, I told myself I was going to do this, but I'm going to do this for you because you're special. You are telling someone that your boundaries don't really matter. That things you tell yourself that you're not going to do, you, someone can convince you otherwise you know, you're showing that with your actions by letting people know that you're willing to not enforce your own boundaries. So we need to be careful about that because we do it all the time. We tell all, we're so quick to tell people about the boundaries we set for ourselves as Mm -hmm. if like, oh, just, you know, I can set a boundary. Can you set a boundary? I can set a boundary. (laughs) But no one ever fucking actually follows through. And it's the following through part that matters.
3: So do you think it's good also to keep your boundaries a little bit more mysterious
0: to a certain degree, I, I don't think, yes. I, I, I think it's great to communicate boundaries, but be careful like just bragging about it. like Saying it doesn't mean anything. If you, if you say it and don't follow through, it is way worse than not saying anything at all because you are communicating to someone that your boundaries don't matter to you and that they can convince you to constantly not enforce your boundaries. And you are setting a precedent with someone and we do that all the time early in dating. And it's, it's a recipe for disaster.
3: This is huge, Nick, because I'm like, this is what happens. Like, I'm like, why do I feel like I give a lot of respect? I'm a really caring person and I feel like I'm constantly disrespected, but I think I'm showing them that I actually don't, but they can. Yeah, disrespect You're showing me. them
0: that like, yeah, you, you, you can, I might, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. it's your, your way, you're over communicating your boundaries and not following through with enforcing them. Yeah. All right. Well, there right, you go. we go. We have a plan. Something. There we go. <laughs> Listen, it's I, honestly, I thought about this like the other week where it was, I just heard a story about Sublight and I'm like, yeah, that is someone who just doesn't know how to enforce a boundary. And I thought about just like how much we over communicate our boundaries, but very rarely follow through and what that means. So, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're not alone, but I think together we came up with a, a nice little epiphany here.
3: Yeah, a good solution. I can still date, but just follow through with my boundaries. Yeah,
0: you're doing you're doing a lot of things right it sounds like. I think your next step is just following through and actually looking at these actions of these men and you know, take, you know, seeing it for what it is. And a timeline doesn't mean much. Again, two waiting 2 months is not that hard for a guy, especially if you're not in a committed relationship just because they're not having sex with you. Does you know, this guy, he's he's got a million different ways to satisfy his sexual kinks you know but yeah. you saying he well,
3: himself; he doesn't even need me yeah
0: but like you say you giving someone like a well i just need to take things slow is it ch- you're just challenging them and guys love mm-hmm. a good challenge and they can be they can claw their own judgment you know they can lie to themselves about like oh no i really like you and like again like I, i'm not making excuses for these guys but mm-hmm. just know that you're operating with guys that until they kind of can meet that challenge, as soon as they do, yes, it will completely make them reassess how they feel about you.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: So stop making yourself such a challenge, you know, and, and, and the more you make yourself a challenge or a conquest to be won or conquered, then you are going to run the risk of um, having to experience these, these men, um, like, almost, like, overnight, act completely different to you.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You're not a challenge, no. you're someone to get to know, you're someone that they you know, what should want to invest in, you know, not because you're a challenge, but you know, it is a bit contradictory I get because then the next words out of my mouth, I'm going to be like, listen, when a guy, you know, don't, don't be so empathetic, you know, don't be so understanding, be the busy person. And on some level, remember how you feel about guys you're not that interested in. And when you really like a guy, feel free to act that way, as opposed to, Understanding and always there and always available. And again, I, I hate kind of like because it is a tightrope. It is such a dance between playing a game and not playing a game. I mean, the best approach, as I've said re- recently, is as we always like when, when Johnny Wu was here, I loved his advice and I'll say it, I'll use it over again is just act how you want them to act. Be, be, demonstrate how you want someone to treat you. But to do that is you have to be able to cut bait and walk away very quickly. When they when they don't. And this guy was not mimicking your behavior, right? For two months, this guy was doing his thing and you were doing yours and you were making excuses for his behavior. So for two months, if you're going to if you're going to make make a guy wait two months, you know, and you're going to act how you want them to act. Well, you got to make sure that they are reciprocating in those actions. But you were acting one way, he was acting another, and you weren't holding him accountable for that.
3: Yeah, I should have. There are things he said too, like "there's so many young impressionable girls at this bar." Like when we met up in New York, and I'm like, I should have just walked away then. Oh my god, know, that's such a weird fucking learned. thing
0: to say. Right? Yeah, Listen, <laughs> learned. But don't don't. It, it does you no good beating yourself up. It does you no good yeah. at being mad at yourself or sleeping with him. It, it's over. It's he's out of your life. Be grateful. You like you realized who he was. This could get much worse. It really could have. You could have invested six months in this guy. He was going to keep you around until you finally said, I think you're full of shit.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And finally, at least you did that right after you finally hooked up. So instead of beating yeah. yourself up about it, pat yourself on the back and then learn from it.
3: Cool. Thank you, Nick.
0: All right. Well, keep us posted. I'd love to know, like, just, you know, we're, we, we, we are closing the chapter on this guy, but <laughs> I'd, love to, I'd love to keep tabs on what they, like, what did you do post this conversation? You know, so maybe in three or four months, you know, I'd love to get a follow up on how you implemented this conversation into your dating life.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Well, take care.
3: Thanks, Nick. All right. Bye bye. Thanks so much.
0: All right. Bye bye. Squeeze.com. It's time to get that juice cleanse on. It's no better time to start uh, a a juice cleanse than a new year. Just, uh, you want to detox all the bad juju from 2023, figuratively and literally. And a juice cleanse can help you do that. There are so many great health benefits that come with a juice cleanse, like uh, weight loss, less bloating, if that's something you're interested in, uh, clearer skin, increased energy, better sleep, uh, Breaking bad habits. Fasting also slows the aging process and decreases the risk of diseases. You know, it's always good to flush out the system nowadays. And you can do that with a juice cleanse with squeeze.com. And the best part is you're still drinking delicious juice. I mean, that's the important part. Enjoy the cleanse while you cleanse your body. And it's super easy and convenient. And if chances are if you decide, you know what, I should do a juice cleanse, you're going to want to start it right away. I know I am. Jump in. Just get wet. You know, just go and do it. And the good news is with squeeze.com they have same day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code V I A L L again that same day local delivery or free fast delivery nationwide with code V I A L L that's squeeze.com Vessi god we love we're loving what Vessi's doing out there um all right in L.A., everyone was wearing Vessi's, keeping those feet dry. Vessi is making the most comfortable, dry shoes you can find. And we're not talking water-resistant people. We're talking waterproof. So whether you are a city-walking warrior to getting from point A to point B by your feet, or maybe you like hiking, or an ad- adventurous person, Vessi is an incredible travel shoe. Because hey, when it comes to traveling, you want to pack light. And if you, you don't want to take like five sneakers with you, just pack one. Just pack your Vessi's. Because they have your classic, you know, white, you know, classic basic looking sneakers that are aesthetically pleasing, also incredibly comfortable. And again, they keep your feet dry and safe. Embrace the elements this year with Vessi. With Vessi's distinctive styles, picture yourself stepping into the New York with confidence. Their shoes are more than just a fashion statement. They are an expression of your bold, transcending persona.
2: And they make them for kids.
0: I wish I had Vessies as a kid because it was during the winter. I always wanted to wear my tennis shoes. I was always like self-conscious by wearing my snow boots. I wanted to have cool looking sneakers to wear to school enough to change my boots. And with Vessi, you can do that. You know, Your kid can look cool and have dry feet all day long and not have their snow boots or water boots or whatever that is. No, just get them Vessi's and they will be cool and dry all day long. If you're ready to step in the new year with style and confidence, Vessi's got you covered with chic city walks to adventurous treks. Find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash V-I-A-L-L to get 15% off your first order. Again, that's Vessi.com slash V-I-A-L-L for 15% off your first order. How's it going?
5: Hi, I'm Emma. I'm 21 and I'm wondering if my married coworker is flirting with me.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, why do you think they are? Is this a man or a woman?
5: This is a man. He's 33 and married with one kid. So I started working at this company about two years ago and we grew pretty close for coworkers. We don't text outside of work, nothing inappropriate. I've never gotten any sort of flirtatious vibes from him, but we are, we're close. And to some people, it might sound a little, Odd, but I, me, and my friend joke that he's like the last good man on earth. He always seems like he has very pure intentions. He's very sweet. Like he'll bring me my favorite coffee, or if I'm cold, let me wear his jacket. But he's always done that in front of other people. So I'm like, if and there does was he weird, do that with everyone? Um, he would, yes. But I just, I'm a little bit younger than my other coworkers, so, and I work with mainly all men. Okay, so. Um, there is another older woman who works there and he's like that with her. She's buried. Okay. Um, but he's done these things in front of other people. So I've always kind of thought if there was any weird or alien 10, you know, it would be more.
0: Okay. So, decorative. I mean, listen, getting you a cup of coffee and offering your coat is just him being a gentleman. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. And good news yes. that he did do it with the one other woman in the office. Sure. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But why, why? That we can chalk that up as him being a gentleman. What else are is making you wonder if he's flirting with you? And I guess so my we, big question is is why do you care?
5: So we had a company party, which um tend to get a little crazy with the drinking.
0: Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
5: so we recently had one at the end of last month and he got pretty drunk and he we were together the majority of the time just hanging out, doing the games and whatnot. Um and he went to the restroom he was starting to get sick so i went in to go check on him and i knocked on the stall i was like oh are you you know doing okay in there and he opened the stall and i went in and he grabbed me and hugged me which is fine i wasn't i didn't yeah, feel uncomfortable yeah. you know and he's okay. like oh i love you so much i i i really truly just i love you so much like you're the reason i want to come to work you're if i don't want to come you know i think of you and you make my day better but I feel that same way about him, but completely platonically, you know, if I'm having a bad day, I'm like, Oh, I'll go talk to him. Like makes me feel better. So. Was he
0: hammered when he said all this? Yes. Okay.
5: So I was like, you know, and when you get drunk with your friends, you, my girlfriends, I'm like, Oh, you know, Everett, I love you so much. So again, I didn't really take it any type of way. Um, I left him alone. Actually funny enough, someone I was thinking, I was like, you know, I know this isn't weird, but if someone walks in, this probably would look, a little strange. So I was like, Hey, you know, do your stuff. I'll be, I'm going to go back to everyone. Um, and someone actually walked in as I was walking out. So I was like, "Hmm, could have looked a little weird, but whatever people know that we're close. So a little bit later in the night, we were, again, he was sitting in his, um, office and I went, I was like, Hey, are you doing okay? And he, there was no one around. And he grabbed me and pulled me onto his lap. He was sitting in his chair and, and wrapped his arms around me. And again, I wasn't uncomfortable or weirded out just because I know that he's a gentleman, it, like you said.
0: That's inappropriate. Yeah. His wife would be fucking it, pissed.
5: Yes, that's my thoughts as well. And if I was his wife, I'd be mad too. I'm like, even though I know I don't have any feelings or anything like that towards him, it's just, it is inappropriate. Okay. Okay. So I was trying to get up, be like, come on, let, let's just go back with everyone. He was still pretty drunk at this point. And he's like, no, 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 stay here. Stay here. Pulled, kept trying to pull him back onto his lap. And then he said, I have to tell you something. I, I have to tell you something. I didn't know what he was going to say, but I just, I almost feel.
0: Yeah. You I do. was like, if you, your intuition yeah. <laughs> was that he was going to say, admit to some kind of weird feelings for you and try to downplay and be like, I don't know. I just think you're, I really just think you're great. And I don't know what I'm trying to say. And yeah uh you know it was going to be some bullshit like that right
5: that's that's, that's your intuition okay. yeah and so i didn't want him to say that cuz i was like i don't want this can of worms to be opened yeah. so i was like cut i was like no 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 don't don't say anything you don't want to say anything um let's just go back and he's like no 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 really i i really have to and i was like no no no, no just come on and then um someone walked in and so i was like okay look come on like let's go this other coworker just walked in then he started whispering. He's like, "No, I, I really have," to. and I said, "Come on, like, just go." So he didn't end up saying whatever he was going to say, thankfully. Um, and then when we went back into or outside with everyone else, we were standing on the same side of a table together, and he <laughs> slapped my ass.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. So we've we've <laughs> we've crossed way over being a gentleman, and we've gotten into uh sexual misconduct.
5: This might just be me being naive, but even that I was like not it didn't make me feel uncomfortable just cuz I was like I've always felt so like he would never do anything that way. So in my head I was like maybe that was a mistake, he's drunk, maybe his
0: Yeah, I mean maybe. But I'm glad you didn't feel <laughs> uncomfortable for your sake. But mm-hmm. he didn't have the right to do that. Even if it is the fact that he's a married man, you know, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, if you guys were both single, minus the fact that you're coworkers, he took a risk to slap your ass and lucked out that you weren't deeply offended by it. But you had the right to be, but he's not single. He's married,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know. So. All right. So, like, listen, here's my advice to you. You know, it doesn't really matter to me whether what he feels about you, you know, and then it's like, oh, well, he was drunk. So, like, yeah. And there's probably. My guess is it's something like this, right? Where a lot of the, a lot of affairs that happen this way, right? You know, 30-something guy, you know, early in his, like, marriage, or maybe, I don't know how long he's been with his wife, probably been with her for a few years. They just had their first kid. That's an adjustment. You know, sex changes, you know, during pregnancy and early childhood and things like that, you know, and then he goes to work and he meets this very attractive, very, like, put-together young lady who's nice and sweet and... Doesn't flirt with him and and acts professional, but like very considerate, and he's nice, and he just like yeah, like he starts thinking to himself, oh like oh if I was like she's you know he's he's a he's attracted to you, and like that's not even a crime, you know like whatever you know like just because you're married doesn't mean you can't be attracted to other people, but what you do with that matters, and he is playing with fire, you know. It's like every day he gets a little closer to like leaning into whatever fantasies he has about you. And now then he got, he had alcohol in his body and he got a little loose and yeah, maybe he probably woke up. I was like, Oh, what the fuck did I do? I can't believe I did that. I'm never going to do that again. That's entirely possible. And hopefully that's the case. But my point to you is you need to be very careful. Mm-hmm. You are not going to get the benefit of the doubt. Unfortunately, women in the workplace, when it comes to sex and affairs and things like that, if you don't know this already, I'm here to tell you that they're, everyone's going to blame you first. You're, you'll be a convenient scapegoat. You know, oh, the young 21 temptress, blah, blah, blah. She knew what she was fucking doing, blah, blah, blah. She'll want to, you know, his wife will want to blame you. He'll throw you under the bus. Be very careful.
5: Mm -hmm.
0: And I'm I'm glad that you are a nice person and you're considerate, but it's not the first time he's gotten drunk. He doesn't need you looking after him. Mm -hmm. He can go and puke on his own and he'll figure it out. His life wasn't in danger. And if he makes a fool of himself, that's on him. He's an adult. You're not his girlfriend, certainly. You're kind of his friend. But even as his friend, there are certain boundaries I think you need to start setting for yourself and enforcing in terms of situations you put yourself with him. You should never be alone with him uh, in his office. That's not like midday, very much work-related, work conversations. Be careful about your proximity around him. And you don't have to make it weird, you know, for your sake and his sake and everyone's sake and more specifically your sake. I would just act like nothing happened and just be very professional around him. You can be nice. I don't think you just have to start being distant and if you don't feel uncomfortable, you don't have to remove yourself, but I would just be very careful about your how you interact with him. And you can't control what he's going to do, but just be very careful about the environment and situations you put yourself in with him because you're just not going to get the benefit of the doubt. If he pulls some shit and, you know, things go south
5: Mm -hmm.
0: and it's just not worth it for you.
5: Yeah. And I, if he did say that's, I was scared that he was going to say something because I'm not interested in him in that way. I really do love him as a friend, but.
0: You don't need to say that anymore. Okay. (laughs) And I get it. I, yeah. I understand it, and and I get it. Like your instinct is like I I I don't I'm not attracted to him. He really is a friend. I am capable of being friends with men, and I get it. I get your where your attentions are coming from, but mm-hmm. you gotta consider the fact that you 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 can't control how he interprets your actions, mm-hmm. and you you are a woman. He is attracted to women. He is married. Uh, you know. There, the, the, the coworker aspect, the fact that you're younger, there's a lot of built in just like forbidden kind of it feels wrong. So it feels good type of shit going on for him. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of landmines here. So you need to just be aware of that. Don't be naive because it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It doesn't it doesn't matter what your intentions are. It, 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 it won't matter. So I think you need to be very careful regardless of what your intentions are of the situations you put yourself in around him. And the good news is you're getting ahead of it. Like you, it, nothing has really gone too far where you can't reset your behavior to protect yourself and ultimately protect him mm-hmm. from himself. But I would just be very mindful of how you interact with him, what you say to him. I would keep it very professional. I'd be friendly. But you do not stop saying you love him as a person. No hugs. You, you, don't, you don't look out after him. If it's cold out, wear an extra coat. You know what I'm saying? You know, mm-hmm. like it, it, all those little like gentleman things, like he doesn't need to be a gentleman to his coworkers. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, when it comes to my employees, like I like to think of myself as a gentleman, but at the same time, also their boss and like th- they're adults and they can wear coats.
5: <laughs>
0: and short of me opening a door for my employees like that, that's where my like chivalry starts and stops when it comes to my employees because and boundaries are important to me. Yeah, and he is not enforcing his own boundaries and he is taking advantage of your um niceness and and your innocence i guess on some level hmm. and it doesn't no. mean he's a bad guy and it doesn't mean you know again i think he is going down a rat i think he's just playing with fire and he can he's convincing himself he's not okay you know yeah
5: that was my in hindsight now that it's you know, laid all out. It's definitely, I've come to terms with more with what his intentions were. But when it first happened, I was like, he's such a, I guess, quote unquote, stand-up guy. I was like, he, I he's don't even guy. know if that really was his intentions. Like he talks about his wife with me. He's never tried to I, hide anything.
0: I'm sure he's ninety five percent the guy that you think he is. Mm-hmm but he is crossing some very serious boundaries. You know, can't be that great of a guy. I'm sorry. I just would never slap the ass of another woman. I'm in a relationship. That's just me. I'm not trying to sound all righteous and shit, but I certainly wouldn't do it with a coworker. Uh, I wouldn't do it with anyone, but Mm -hmm. but the fact that, you know, he is doing it with you is not the most righteous individual.
5: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, and just because he's willing to open a few doors and be a gentleman There's a lot of fucking shady dudes who are very chivalrous, you know, so just know that. Yeah, their actions matter way more than their words. And, you know, people aren't uh, all good or all bad. He's probably a, you know, he's a decent guy who is certainly capable of making poor decisions for himself. And my advice to you is just you need to be careful okay, because you won't get the benefit of the doubt. If things go south, You're, you'll be an easy scapegoat as a young woman in the workplace. It's not fair. It's not right. But it is the reality.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. It very eye opening.
0: Okay. Well, going forward again, I don't think you need to over respond. I don't think you need to really change anything other mm-hmm. than just be careful about the environments and the situations you put yourself in around him and okay. just be very Professional, be nice. You can still be your same nice person. You don't have to act awkward around him. But have have some very clear boundaries for yourself, for yourself, and make sure you're enforcing them. And don't make excuses for him just because he's nice. Mm
3: -hmm. Okay.
0: And if if you ask yourself, would I be okay if my boyfriend was doing this with another woman? Then that's the only answer you need to ask yourself.
5: Mm -hmm. Definitely okay okay
0: all right well thank you for the call thank Uh, you for chatting with me happy to do it uh keep us posted we'd love uh we'd love an update on what moves you made or what changes you made and how he responded and and all those things
5: okay i will keep you guys updated all
0: right take care
5: thank you you too all right
0: bye-bye BetterHelp. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp has been a mainstay, a friend of the show for some time because we love how BetterHelp is helping people get into therapy like never before. Allie has talked about BetterHelp over and over before she got into therapy. She talked about therapy all the time. Oh, I should do that. I should find it. And listen, it's just, it's hard, you know, like who should I go to? What type of therapist should I get? Who do I ask? It's kind of a personal thing. Hey, do you know a good therapist? Not always easy to do. It can be costly. It can be inconvenient. You know, in-person therapy, well, BetterHelp helps with all those things. It's more affordable than in-person therapy, and it's incredibly convenient. You can do it from the comfort of your home, your tablet, your phone. You can, you know, whether whatever your comfort level is, you know, face-to-face like video calls, or you can do voice-to-voice. And because BetterHelp is working with more and more therapists every day, finding a therapist that's right for you and that you're comfortable with is super easy because, you know, you'll go to BetterHelp.com. You'll fill out like what you're looking for. You know, what do you want to talk about? Is it money? Is it relationships? It doesn't really matter. You don't need a reason. Whatever it is, they will identify uh, a therapist that they think is right for you. But like, listen, sometimes trial and error, you got to take a few cracks at the bat. And it's super easy with BetterHelp uh, to find the therapist that you connect with, that you feel comfortable with, you feel seen with, that understands you, and that you feel like challenges you in a way that you actually you get an impact from. Can't say enough of good things about what BetterHelp is doing when it comes to getting people into therapy, because that's what it's all about, right? Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash V-I-A-L-L today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P slash V-I-A-L-L. BetterHelp.com slash V-I-A-L-L for 10% off your first month. Grammarly. Well, if you don't know where commas go, like me, uh, or maybe you're bad with grammar, like me, or maybe you're just like too busy to reread all your emails and you don't want to like, maybe you sent that email that like, maybe you sound like kind of a dick you know, and maybe you didn't mean to sound like a dick. Maybe you're just in a rush. Well, things like tone suggestion or just like basic grammar mistakes. Grammarly is changing the game when it coming to making you and your team far more efficient and more professional in the workplace. Listen, like there's a lot of stereotypes when it comes to like grammar mistakes and selling mistakes when it comes to emails. Most people just think you're a dumb idiot. Well, well, if you're like me, maybe you're not a dumb idiot. Maybe your just brain doesn't work that way. And honestly, for me, proofreading and all that stuff is just like time consuming. Well, let Grammarly do the tea. Work for you. Save time with one click and go from editing drafts in hours to seconds. 93% of professionals using Grammarly Premium report that it helps them get more work done.
2: So I send a lot of emails, a lot of talent booking emails, and grammar is so important. And the tone of your email is really important. You know, you want to craft an email in a way that's going to get response. And so it's like incredibly important, especially in a cold email. And Grammarly helps get the tone get the commas in the right place. And it really saves my butt with these emails.
0: Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash podcast. Again, that's Grammarly.com slash podcast. How's it going?
4: Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? Good. What's your name? My name is Jordan and I am 30 years old.
0: Nice to meet you, Jordan. How can we help?
4: So I need your help because my mom won't accept that I no longer want to be a part of the Mormon religion.
0: Okay. All right. Is this a recent decision you've made for yourself?
4: Um, So kind of some background on the story. Um, I was born and raised in Utah, very much grew up in like the Mormon bubble. And back in 2020, I kind of started separating myself from the church. I felt like growing up in the Mormon religion, you're kind of just like expected to just like go along with everything. My parents were always like super involved in the church. Um, I was never super stoked on it. But I was like a very Mm -hmm. obedient child. Um, And then back in 2020, I kind of started separating myself from the church. Um, And then throughout that year, I kind of had my eyes open to some things I moved in with my boyfriend at the time, which is very against the church's religion. Um, And like I had gotten some tattoos and I had stopped going to church. So basically I felt like I was like kind of living this secret life because I wasn't saying anything to my parents You had a
0: one-way ticket to hell as far as...
4: (laughs) (laughs) Literally, I was like, my parents are no longer going to love me. This is awesome. And so I kind of felt like I was living this like secret life. Um, I started going to therapy. And one thing we really like talked about in therapy was like, I was never good at like expressing my emotions Um, because growing up in the church, you're kind of expected to be perfect. So it wasn't, it didn't feel okay to bring up anything. So I basically come to came to the conclusion that I wanted to write a letter to my parents and just kind of like, put it all out on the board. Like this is how I'm living my life. Um, Take it or leave it basically. And I also wanted to do that because I knew um, I could come off as like defensive anytime like I did have any conversations with my parents. So I just wanted to like, open a line of communication and be like I want to have a relationship with you this is how I'm living my life I hope like you'll accept it and you'll still love me and we can like
0: so the tone wasn't necessarily like fuck you this is who I am okay it was like I love you I care about you I want to be in your life but these are my choices I'm going to make and it's not a matter of if but this is what I'm doing. And it's just a question is, are you still going to respect and love me as your daughter? And we can have a relationship, even though I don't necessarily make choices that you guys agree with.
4: Yes. Yeah. I actually wrote two versions of the letter. The first letter, I was like very mad and I just sure. like, got all my emotions out. And then the second version was very like loving, very just like, great. let's move on from here. Smart. Um. So after that, we had like one conversation. Um. My dad, He was a lot more like open to it and kind of like more curious of my thoughts. My mom was just like very set in her ways, which I understand when you've lived a religion your whole life, I get that that can be hard if somebody else doesn't believe what you believe. Um, So we had like one conversation. And then basically from that, I felt like it has just been like kind of like an ignorance is bliss type of thing. It's like they don't ask me about it. So we just kind of. (laughs) Yeah, moved on. So I thought all was well, and then here we are at Christmas. A couple weeks ago, I went home for Christmas, and we're all opening presents. Everything's great. I have one older sister who's married, who is still
1: very um, active in the part church, part of the
4: religion. Yeah. Um, and we get through presents, and my mom goes, "I have one more present for you guys," and we were like, "Okay." She gives us the present, and we each got a letter from her, which is very not like her. Like she's not one to write letters. So I like am reading the letter. And it was very nice at the beginning. Like, I'm so glad you came home for Christmas, yada, yada, yada. And then the second part of the letter, she starts like bearing her testimony,
0: sharing, and shame and judgment. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And I'm so disappointed.
0: Like, My heart's make, it makes me so sad <laughs> that you're.
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, I've made it a goal for 2020 for our family to study the scriptures together this year. And so I want you to be a part of that. And we're going to twice a month, we're going to get on zoom and we're going to study the scriptures together. And literally I did not say anything. I was just like, and my like whole demeanor changed. Like my sister was like, Oh, I could tell you were mad. And cause in that moment I was like,
0: yeah, this is all about you. It's manipulative.
4: Yeah. And I'm like, that can be your goal. Like, that's awesome. Hmm. But like, I've made it clear that like, I don't, how did you respond? And I, I just didn't say anything. And then we just kind of like,
0: so there's God. really been no response up until this point.
4: There's been no response. Okay. And so what's hard about it is like, I've never tried to like put my beliefs on her. Cause I'm just to the point where I'm like, if that makes you happy, I'm stoked for you, but it doesn't make me happy. So it just feels like yeah. she can have her beliefs, but like, I can't have my beliefs. Um, I mean, also, I also like, let's like,
0: just get into the fact that you're a 30 year old woman. And even if you right? were like active in the church, it's like, sorry, mom, not going to make your like weekly family meetings.
4: Okay. Thank you. And so, and what's hard, and this is where I, like, know where her brain is coming from, is, like, in the church, like, you're very much taught, like, you're in charge of your, like, children's salvation, and you guys all need to be together. Sure. And so, like, I know for her, it's more of, like, a, oh, my gosh, it's my responsibility. Yeah. She's to feeling, my-
0: yeah, she's probably feeling that shame and judgment that you're feeling from her. Yeah. She's feeling it from her church and her peers. So that's yes. an opportunity for you to have empathy for your mom. And how we help for the anger that you're maybe feeling towards your mom. It's just like, listen, all you can do is understand where she's coming from. And I have found just in life, like one of my biggest, like, I think skills that has helped me navigate life and adulthood and, and interpersonal relationships. Is it just like you can again, people often confuse empathizing with someone with agreeing with them. Empathizing is just like understanding potentially why they think the way they do. Or why they're making decisions that they're making. Not that you would make those decisions, but it's like, all right, I get it to a certain extent. Like, that empathizing is just coming to uh, an explanation as why the people do what they do, short of you thinking they're just fucking insane or monsters or narcissists or just idiots, you know? Yeah. Because when someone does something that we don't agree with or we wouldn't do ourselves, we have to try to understand their motivations. You know, and so your mom empathizing with your mom is just saying, understanding why she is feeling this pressure and where it's coming from. And her writing you this letter isn't just simply her saying, fuck you. I don't respect you. I'm disappointed in you. You suck. Which I'm sure it can feel like that sometimes. Empathizing yeah. with your mom is just being like, yeah, I don't know. She's probably feeling this pressure. And like, this is your mom's, I don't know how old, 50, 60, 70 yeah, years old, 60, right? And yeah. right. So, it's like 60 years of being inundated by her church and the pressure she must feel. and And the tricky thing about religion is, we we're, we're raised to think it's all inherently good. It's about sacrifice and things like that. So even when it's difficult, even when our religion asks us to do difficult things, we think we're being righteous
3: mm-hmm.
0: and it's yeah. so complicated, right? So all you can do. And I say that because like the worst thing you can do is for yourself is to just allow yourself to get really pissed off at your mom for not necessarily respecting your letter or your boundaries. And you, you have the right to do that, but it's not going to get you anywhere because your goal, because I'm guessing, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, is to like have a relationship with your parents and love your parents. And so to do that, you're simply going to have to accept that before you ever showed up in this world, they had 30 years of being committed to this religion yeah. and their whole lives. And to ask them to reprogram themselves is maybe an impossible task. And it's not really your responsibility or your concern it can help you just empathize. So I guess to me, I don't see this letter as that big of a deal. I see it as a, uh, an expected moment. Your mom was never going to just give up and accept this decision at face value. That was never going to happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we can almost, you know, instead of getting mad, you can honestly be like, okay, this is, you know, I wasn't sure what form it was going to come in, but this is what it is. And you know mm-hmm. what? How endearing for mom. She doesn't give up. She's a fighter. She's committed. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like there are some aspects of your mom doing this that we could attribute positive qualities to. Yeah. You know, it's just she is channeling it in a way that you don't agree with. Yeah. All right. So and how I do we handle like, this? Yeah. Go I ahead. feel
4: like what I'm trying to figure out at this point is to like. Clearly, I need to have another conversation that's like, I'm not going to do the scriptures with you. But like, I know she's going to take it like so personally because it's like her job. To, well, like, that's it. the
0: guilt. That's 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 where you as your daughter have to like recognize that parents can be manipulative.
4: Yeah. And, I'm and like, how do I word her, it? Because I don't want to make her feel bad. Like, and I'm, don't, I love so, that so, she loves the church. I think so, that's so awesome. Do the
0: thing you did before. Write that letter. Read, read it. Make sure it's good, the tone that you want so to speak, maybe be willing to write it again. But the tone is, you know, it, it may be a letter's best, you know, maybe you're you're clearly, we're communicating via letters. So we can, we <laughs> can like, keep it.
4: I kind of want to be a big girl. I just want to say it to her at this
1: point. I'm well, like, that's I don't fine too. Letters, as long as you I can, think the letter you, got it. <laughs> so you
0: call her up and say, Hey mom, listen, I thank you. First of all, thank you for the gift. I know it came from love. And mom, I, 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 I respect you. I love you. I, I, I would, I would, if I were you, I would think about, characteristics that you inherited from your mom that you admire about yourself and her. And I would say, mom, uh, I ha- you, you are this, you are that. I love that. And I feel like I am grateful to, ha- to have inherited those qualities that you have. I think sometimes we maybe channel it differently, but I just want to say how much I love and respect you.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I just want to start there. And I want to thank you. And, and I'm, sh- I'm sure this might disappoint you. And I am sorry for disappointing you because, you know, as your daughter, I never want to do that. But as your adult daughter, I, you know, I hope you recognize that sometimes I'm going to, and it's not because I don't love you. And I don't respect you, but I do have to make choices for myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm I'm not going to participate in these scriptures because I, I choose not to be a part of the church. And again, I, I, I'm i so sorry, mom, that that breaks your heart because I, I really understand where you're coming from. I really do, mom. I I, I do. Yeah. But I have to be my own self and I love you so much. And I, ju- I just hope from the bottom of my heart you and dad will still love and expect, accept me for who I am. And I I have accepted that you aren't happy with my choices. I get that. I really, really do mom. But like, is, is this where I'm at? And I'm just asking you to respect that and, and just kind of just always keep it positive and like stand your ground. You just got to stand your ground. You can't react to to your mom. You know, it's, it's, it's when we get, it's when we get mad and we match her energy. It's when we we do the same thing they're doing. It's like, oh, well, they're going to do this, so fuck that. I'm going to do, do that back, right? That's when your mom yeah. knows she's got you, so to speak. Your mom wants you to care about... You know, that's why parents like shame. That's why parents guilt. Because, you know, they know it fucking works. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Uh, you know? That's know, worst. <laughs> and they fucking know it. And I'm going to say that shit to my daughter, you know? And I'm going to, you know, until it, until it stops working. I'm going to fucking do that. Because, like, shame and guilt is a powerful teaching tool. Because I do want my... A kid to have a conscience and I want them, I want to work on their character. And your parents did that. But at some point you became an adult. And at some point you decided to make decisions for yourself. And some parents have a very hard time with that. I got very lucky. I mean, I was raised in a hardcore Catholic family, very similar to the Mormon with a lot of like very traditional, you know, my parents practice a very traditional lifestyle when it comes to Catholicism. But like they had so many fucking kids when I turned 18, they're like, oh, good luck. I don't have time to parent you anymore. (laughs) Um, And I I got lucky for that. But not everyone is like that, you know. And so you just have to show your parents your willingness to stand your ground while not reacting to them in a way that it's 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 kind of it's a simple thing. Yeah. It's very hard to do, but like it's not complicated how to execute. And so you yeah. just got to stay consistent, lead with love, mm-hmm. and not react to their manipulation and all their little things that they did that you're used to that still even as a 30-year-old woman work.
4: Yeah, I know. That's what's so frustrating. I'm like, I am a grown adult, but here we are. I'm scared you're not gonna love me anymore. (laughs)
0: They're they're gonna love you. They will. It's in their blood. They can't help it. And just your mom writing this letter is an act of love. Yeah. It is. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like disrespect, but it is an act of love where your mom's coming from. Mm -hmm. She is doing it because she thinks it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And she loves you. So
4: then from here, like She's persistent. You know what I'm saying? Like she loves to like send a church talk in yep. the group family message. Sure. Just, like-,
0: like I a, I'm a part of a group family chat I never fucking respond to. And <laughs> you know, I got a lot of shit for for a while. And then I just like I I have an ability. I've had it my whole life. I don't know where I get it from, but when it comes to doing what I think is right, and I'm not always right, but I'm able to follow through with what I believe to be right. And I've never been a people pleaser. I've never, I've never easily succumbed to peer pressure, and even when it comes to family and parents, that like it's like, hey, I'm I'm this this is what I'm going to do, and you can respect it. You cannot, you cannot like it, but I'm gonna follow through with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I you know I I also love getting feedback. I'm I'm coachable. You know, I've always had like tough coaches, but I'm willing to like follow through with my decisions. I'm really I'm willing to enforce my boundaries. Yeah. So you know, this is just a. A next step in your evolution as an adult and, and this is you dictating the relationship with your parents and not the other way around. I mean, this is really the first time in your life in 30 years that you are willing to try to dictate your relationship with your parents rather than let them di- dictating it with you. And they're yeah. and like, think about that. It's for 30 years. They, you know, at one point you came out of your mom's body and you were this baby child. You know what I'm saying? Like you were their whole they had to like you that's so it's got i mean i don't know what it's going to be like i'm i'm an expecting father it's going to probably blow my fucking mind <laughs> yeah you know but so that's this again empathizing where your parents are coming from because i think as kids we get so angry at our parents for you know being imperfect parents is which they all are and we get older and then like well fuck you and they and, and and instead of just like empathizing and we're and understanding where they're coming from we get angry with them and that's not fair. And we blame them for what they got wrong and how is you know, because I'm sure your parents, you know, did some shit and caused you to have some sort of fucking childhood trauma that you probably haven't even dealt with yet. I don't know. You know, like we all have, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> so we can choose to be angry at our parents or we can choose to just understand them and then set new boundaries with them. And again, this is all uh, under the kind of assumption that, you know. We're talking about normal mistakes parents make, not 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 act, not abuse, or not act. You know, yeah. n- You know that you are in a dangerous environment or something like that. That that's a different conversation. But I think for you, you got to lead the charge, you know. And you got to st- you got to keep finding that courage and that strength to stand up to mom and still love her and be brave enough to realize that you know they're not. You know, and you're you know, look like, at what you you're, your your mom's gonna throw a fit. Your dad's gonna be like, come on, you know, come on, babe, and then. You know, maybe you and your mom don't talk for like a month. I don't know, and then you, you'll talk to your dad, and your dad will be like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it'll do yeah. that thing, you know. But you're not—they're not, not going to disown you.
4: I know. I just—I gotta remind myself that. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't disowned me yet, so.
0: Yeah, you're, you'll just be the person who, like, they're just going to worry is burning in hell.
4: Yeah, it's fine.
0: <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, I, like
4: it, I just need to have a conversation that's yeah
0: that's there. all It's just an adjustment you know and yeah. i get i get where you're coming from and i get where your fear comes from but i, I uh even if your mom does try to disown you yeah you gotta stay on your ground you know yeah. your ground. you know okay. because she literally thinks she's saving you from hell so
4: i know that's what's crazy is like and i, and I don't want to break her heart like i your your salvation or like my salvation is not your job like
0: Well, to her it is, you know, to her it is. So you just, you you, you have to empathize with that and and say, listen, mom, well, I I know I'm not making all the decisions that you agree with. Just know that like, it is important to me to be a good person. I, I, I am who I am because of you and dad. I, my character matters to me. And again, I understand I'm not always making decisions that you agree with, but like, I do want to thank you for raising me to be the woman that I am. You know, yeah. and I feel good about who I am and I feel good about the choices I make and in the integrity that I have and yada, yada, yada. And again, like find ways to thank her for what yeah. she has done. You know, it's hard. It's going to be hard for your mom to get mad at you when you write a whole letter of like how you admire her and how you're so grateful to have all these characteristics that she has. It's, it's going be, gonna to be hard, like, you know. It's going to be hard to get mad at you when she's like, oh, my God, I'm a great mother.
4: (laughs) You're right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, she's going to manipulate a little bit back, you know? Perfect. (laughs) All right.
4: Okay. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you so much.
0: My pleasure. Uh, Please keep us posted. We we love a good update, especially when it comes to these type of dynamics. I'm sure there's thousands of people listening to this who relate to you very much.
4: Yes, I will definitely give you an update.
0: All right. We'll take care
4: okay it was good to talk
0: to you you as well all right bye-bye as always, don't forget to send those questions at asknick at for all things texting office hours, Ask Nick Mediation. You know the drill. We are back tomorrow with the one and only Diablo Cody, award-winning Oscar writer. Uh, you know her from the movie Juno. She's got a new uh, movie called Lisa Frankenstein coming out. She's also a big reality TV pop culture fan, and she will be with us to break down all of your favorites like Vanderpump, Bachelor, Traders, and uh, whatever else is going on in the world. So that is tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we have the iconic Jay Wow with us. Uh, you will not want to miss that. That is an incredibly fun episode with Jay Wow. So, uh, another banger week for you guys.